millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Good morning. Hope you're well on this Tuesday morning. It's Cork Today with John Paul McNamara until one in for Patricia. Still uh, feeling under the weather, so I'm with you until one o'clock. And uh, Bernie standing by taking your calls. If there's something you want to raise on the programme or discuss something that we are discussing until one o'clock, you can call us 0818 103 103 is the number. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And ahead on this morning's programme, very shortly we're going to hear while the main transport union in Ireland wants a dedicated police force for transport and this is due to the increase of cases of antisocial behaviour on board trains and buses and we've seen that here in Cork over uh, the last number of years. Dermot O'Leary of the National Bus and Rail Workers Union joins me very shortly on the programme. Also the UK TV presenter Dan Walker uh, many of you, you of you may recognise his face from when he presented BBC Breakfast he's now on Channel 5 presenting their uh, evening news but uh, he was giving an interview yesterday on TV in the UK and when it came to his children and indeed mobile phone use he says he give uh, contracts to his children and these contracts then contain in, uh, in the contracts between him uh, or his wife as well and the children uh, if they break the contract, so if they misuse their phone use, the phone gets taken away. Uh, but is this a good measure? Is this something that other parents can pick up on? And then it just got the conversation started about mobile phone use. And when do you give your child a mobile phone? When is the correct age for them to learn about mobile phones? Because when they get the phone, they have access to everything. It's a mini computer in their hands. They have apps. They have websites. And while you can monitor some of the websites, you can't monitor everything thing they are saying within apps. Uh, so we'll discuss with Laura Erskine who is a parenting expert on the show this morning. Also many local businesses are worried uh, that they will not survive this winter if they struggle and they will continue to struggle with the costs of increases associated with business and many uh, being energy and food costs. Uh, some family run businesses have told us uh, that they'll be working voluntary just to keep the business afloat. We'll be speaking with the Cork Business Association on the programme this morning and also we're going to hear the work on 
of My Canine Companion. That's ahead of their green tie ball, which goes ahead this Friday. And following uh, the events at Krishla, uh, our regular show councillor, Joe Heffernan, will be discussing trauma because I think what's happened there has brought up a lot of memories for people who may have lost loved ones in the past and communities who have suffered something like this over uh, the last number of years. And we'll discuss trauma with Joe after 12.30. Also on the programme this morning as the first of the funerals gets underway in Krishla and indeed in Letterkenny, we'll be hearing from those who were signing the books of condolences opened here in Cork. So that and more to come between now and one. Our lines are open. You can call Bernie on 0818 103 103 if there's something you want to raise in the show or discuss what we're discussing. Or you can always text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. But Ireland's main transport union is demanding that the government creates a dedicated transport police unit to deal with antisocial behaviour on buses, trains and indeed trams. Dermot O'Leary of the National and Rail Workers Union joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm fine, and thanks for joining us. Your conference is taking place in Cork at the moment, and many people who do use public transport, uh, we are all noticing there is an increase in antisocial behaviour. It may not be in every route, but there is certain routes that are now known for antisocial behaviour, and that's why you're calling on a dedicated police force, like many other countries right across Europe have. Yeah, indeed. Look, before I start, the person who spent an awful lot of time in Donegal, not too far from that community, um, it looks like I passed on my 70s with people in um, it's, it's, it's tragic, and, and it's, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's you know, occupying people's minds mm. over the last few days and for the next few days, and it's a tragedy. It should be marked, and, and I want to pass on my condolences. But look, in terms of the, of the question you posed, look, we've been campaigning for many years in the National Bus and Rail Union for what we call a dedicated guard of public transport division. Uh, and that, that call over recent weeks and months has the support, uh, in fact, of the representative bodies of the Gardaí, that's the AGSI and the GRA, uh, whose representatives will be here in our conference today uh, to, to support uh, our call for, for, for a dedicated guard of public transport division. And as people listen to our show and many other media outlets will know, that there is an increase in that social behaviour that once upon a time John Paul would be confined uh, maybe to large urban areas but now the spread of the antisocial behaviour is alarming really and it's happening it's happening along it's happening along uh, bus routes uh, train routes across the country bus airing uh, which is probably the, the, the main provider of transport that serves every nook and cranny in the country uh, staff there and commuters are experiencing an awful lot of, 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 of uh, antisocial behaviour and again, look, we had a T-shirt in yesterday to open our conference and I suppose that was an honour and privilege as a, to have a fellow cropman doing that. But at the same time, he did reference uh, our call and while some people might have viewed his comments as negative, uh, I viewed the fact that he actually uh, you know, mentioned the fact that we're looking for a dedicated guard of public transport as a positive and it's very much on the political agenda now. And I suppose our, our, our call over the next today, I suppose, in the next few weeks again will be to the politicians, including the T-shirt and his government colleagues, that the time is now right uh, to set up this Garda Public Transport Division, which won't, John Paul, solve every single problem on public transport in relation to any social behaviour, but certainly will send a message to people that there is no uh, possibility that you'll be sanctioned, arrested, charged, and maybe end up with a heavy fine or in jail for actions you take. And having the presence of Gardaí on board a train or indeed a bus uh, may, as you say, not encourage as much antisocial behaviour as we have seen in the past. But who would fund this then? I mean, has that been mentioned? I presume funding will come from the Justice Department as the Gardaí themselves will say they're under-resourced. 
I, I look, and will, and that's what the Garda representative bodies will say today that you know they do support the concept, but obviously resources need to be forthcoming. And again, look, this country, you know, it, it's still young in terms of of, of it's a hundred years knocking around, and we seem to think you know that look the problems in the world be solved, but they, they'll be solved on a commercial basis. Budgets can be found uh, for issues as they arise. That's just reality. If you want people to travel, and this is the point we've been making, John Paul, we've had a lot of regular uh, users of transport haven't come back yet after COVID. They're starting to come back on a trickle basis. You know, some some of the companies are reporting, you know, larger numbers than 10 months there last year, obviously. But we're trying to also encourage people that sit in their car every morning and every afternoon stuck in traffic. We're trying to encourage those people not to public transport. And whilst there is a problem, uh, you know, with, with, we need extra fleet uh, on buses and trains, and they'll be forthcoming. But certainly to encourage people to use and never use public transport before. Um, it's very hard to do that when you're, you know, like some me talking to yourselves and other media outlets about the antisocial behaviour. So we have, on one hand, we have the carbon green uh, climate uh, crisis, uh, and we're trying to get people out of the cars that, you know, that pollute the air. How do you do that when you listen to the likes of me giving out about antisocial behaviour? So there's that element as well. And why the the Gardaí, if the, if this was to happen, it would come under the remit, I presume, of the Gardaí, or if would there be another type of police force set up just for transport, or do you think they will keep no, it under no, the no, Gardaí? Again, look, I suppose my view is, look, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm unable to, you know, to, to promote uh, what we need in the MBIU. I'm years at that, right? But I've always bought the expertise and the, 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 the operations side of any type of police resource that would be forthcoming would be a matter for the Gardaí themselves. But I'd be very strong in the fact that it should, become, it should come from the Gardaí. As far as I'm concerned, the only police force in this country is the Gardaí. And most of the countries, you mentioned at the top of the, the, the piece yourself, most of the countries that have... Uh, uh, transport police or uh, uh, transport police forces. The vast majority of them are connected with the main uh, police in, in, in those jurisdictions. There is a few, you know, the British Transport Police, separate from the police over there. There's a few isolated ones, but by and large, they're all connected with the police, and there's probably a good reason for that. So again, look, I suppose, the, 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 I mean, again, the, the, the Europe relationship is far and wide, uh, North Cork and beyond, uh, and I know people, we all do, but that's the culture in Ireland. We all engage with politicians from all parties and none. Uh, and again, the more people listen to the show, they can go and talk to the politicians, uh, and they do on a regular basis, I know they do, and, and have this discussion about dedicated Gallic Transport uh, Force, then that will work. Eventually, people will listen, because after all, we do elect the politicians, uh, some some we might like, but we do elect them. It is the democracy. We elect them to legislate. And uh, look, I'm 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 long since past sick of hearing about the Garda commissioner doesn't want uh, or doesn't doesn't see the requirement uh, for the dedicated Garda public transport division. Well, uh, and neither you nor I, John Paul, elected the Garda commissioner, but we certainly elect the politicians. True. Uh, and from your members' point of view, then, the reason everybody w- wants more done when it comes to antisocial behaviour, the workers, I mean, when you go to work every morning, you don't expect a level of abuse uh, when you go into your job. But that is what is happening for some of the bus drivers, in particular when it comes to Cork. Many over the years have told us of frightening experiences uh, on certain routes within the city and also county routes. And I don't know about that. I mean, as I said already, uh, the, the, the antisocial behaviour and the Toggery, as far as I'm concerned, in some cases, you know, it's across the public transport system, and it's 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 on buses, it's on buses and trains, and and and, and you know, bus airmen as already Irish Rail, and you mentioned staff. I mean, I used to travel on the train to Dublin regular or Cork when I was an executive member of the union before I became an official, and Mallow was obviously the first stop, and a lot of people used to get on there and 
you know, the first thing they would have done was went to the breakfast car or the dining car and get their breakfast. Um, a lot of the people that worked in that service, network catering was called John Paul, a lot of them migrated onto customer service roles and they used to love the job they used to do. And people that may be retired now listening to the show will remember all those people or the Mallow. Uh, and again, you know, those people that went on to, 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 to do customer service roles are now afraid, terrified coming to work. And that's not the job they joined in some cases 30, 30 25 years ago. And what examples are they afraid of? I mean, what type of abuse are they receiving? I look again; it varies. It varies from, from verbal abuse, racial racism, uh, physical assault. You know, attacks on female members, threats of rape, uh, both the, the, the train personnel, the, the train personnel, bus personnel. Um, you know, so there's, there's a variety. There's a variety of of, of 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 assaults out there. And again, look, the day goes by. The weekend again saw more assaults. We had a situation in Cork a number of years ago, not that far ago, long ago, um, 2019, where 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 a lady driver was threatened with rape in Carrigaline in Halloween 2019. So look, they're all alarming. And again, look, I suppose you mentioned yourself about the different police forces across the world that deal with transport. The experience that we've we, we've gleaned from those uh, 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 jurisdictions that some of the behaviour we're witnessing here has reduced significantly in those jurisdictions because again, there is a fear and there is a reality that people can be and will be and are being prosecuted uh, and in some cases large fines and, and jail sentences, as I said already. And can the bus operators do more to protect their staff? I know they have the glass shields in front of them, uh, but still there is access to bus drivers, I suppose. That's what we're more familiar with uh, from people who use public transport in Cork. Uh, can more be done to protect those bus drivers who are receiving well, look abuse? At, uh, look, at the, the transport operators themselves have, have, have uh, I suppose, injected large amounts of cash into you know, creating some, some type of security. Look, Bus Aaron, for example, doesn't have full protective screens in all their fleet. That's something we've been dealing with with bus airing. Uh, Irish Rail have tried, to be fair to them, uh, have uh, increased their budget to over six and a half million for security. They're struggling, or the company that's contracted to provide security, is struggling to recruit staff in, a, in, I suppose in, in an economy now that where a lot of sectors are, are struggling, struggling for recruitment. But certainly, uh, my view of the world would be that security is one thing. The powers of arrest, the powers of arrest and, and detention, the powers of arrest and detention, uh, you know, are something that security services wouldn't have. Um, so, like again, the Guardian are the only people that said already. They're the only police force in 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 this jurisdiction, as far as we're concerned. And you can throw all the security at the world. The people that engage in that behaviour know full well that those security people only move people on. You know, get you off a train, get you off a bus, but you're on the next train, you're on the next bus again. Then, yeah, so and that you, doesn't yeah. really work for us. You need someone who can actually enforce laws and, and prosecute yeah, course, people. Course, yeah, course, yeah. Course, course. Okay, but I know your conference is about to start there, so we we'll leave you go, Dermot, for the moment. Thank you for Thanks taking time out to chat to us. Well, thank you. Appreciate Take care. It. Uh, that is Dermot O'Leary there of the National Bus and Rail Workers Union their conference just about to get underway again today uh, in Cork and your views are welcome uh, should we in this country many other countries I'm sure if you ever go abroad you will see them if you use a bus or a tram or a train in various countries those uh, transport police are on and they're manning and they're walking around and even the presence uh, of a, a guard on a car or, or, or on a bus or on a train or wherever I mean it does deter people some bit you would hope anyhow uh, so should we have uh, public police just for transport in this country? Uh, your views are welcome. 0818103103 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And I know we may have security uh, in on some trains and especially at the Lewis in Dublin, but uh, just overall for bus air and buses maybe here in Cork more so. 
uh, that people would be using, uh, be that city or county services, would you like to see uh, transport police on those uh, services you use daily? Uh, let us know. You can also tweet at C103 Cork and uh, maybe somebody can help uh, or give us some advice on what to do with this because I got a text in here from D, and D says there's a young deer the size of a calf dead and lying in a ditch on the side of the road just on the Boherbui side of Horgan's Cross in Kishkame. Now it's must have been struck by a vehicle but who was responsible for taking this dead animal away from there uh, asking D um, would it be the department would they be as, as it is wildlife and uh, I know when it comes to wildlife sometimes the department would be responsible for this but anybody point us in the right direction and am I right in saying usually October isn't that the mating season for deers so uh, we always usually get a word of warning for people uh, if you're driving in certain areas of Cork uh, to be careful of deer um, that area in and around Boherbui uh, that D mentioned and, and Kishkame in some areas can be affected Lizarda uh, near McCroom it's another area where you'll hear people uh, and you'll hear calls maybe over the last few years into us saying be careful you know d- there is deer running across the road because I- I'm sure October is the mating season for deer anyhow uh, you can let us know on who if anybody has come across this f- before who do you get onto if you do see a dead deer on the roadside and I presume it's the department but let us know uh, 0818 103 103 you can call Bernie or text or WhatsApp 0862 103 and your are welcome on 0818103103. We were speaking there with Dermot O'Leary of the National Bus and Rail Workers Union on why they want a dedicated police force for transport in this country, more than likely uh, to come under Ungarda Shikona, uh, but they want some form of transport police like we have in other countries. And on that, we have a number of people who have contacted us on what they have seen while using public transport. First of all, uh, a texter saying that the army should be called in to police the streets because, after all, we are on title to feel safe on our streets as citizens. The army are ducking and diving all day long and this person feels that they should be out on the streets and maybe on our transport, public transport that is as well. While Marion says she was on a bus, uh, this is only in the last number of years where a guy abused the bus driver over the fare increase. So there was a fare increase. There was one about, was it two or three years ago? And uh, the Marion says the driver was trying to engage with the person and says, yeah, I know how you feel, but I don't make up the charges, but I still have to take the money for the correct fare. The person wanted to pay the old fare and the bus driver said, I'll have to charge you the, the new fare. It's, you know, I, I don't make these things up. I'm just doing my job. And the driver even advised the man to get a leap card and the fare would be considerably cheaper if he started to use a leap card that would work to his advantage. Uh, when the driver mentioned the leap card, the man got more annoyed and more frustrated, started roaring at the driver, started hitting the glass between the driver and that person, the passenger, uh, and just kept on abusing the driver. In the end, he did give him the extra 50 cents and then sat down. Now, everybody in the bus was disgusted with that person. Everybody looked at him when he sat down. Uh, But at the same time, this is just one incident I have seen over the years. Why do people pick on the bus drivers or any frontline workers when there is something like an increase or a change? Uh, The drivers don't make up the rules. It really frustrates me when I see this happening in public transport, but even uh, in other examples like a hospital where people can blame the staff due to the business of a hospital. 
uh, Marion making her point. That's a good point, Marion. And, and I mean, I suppose it isn't the bus driver who makes up the fares, but he's the one that's going to get the abuse. Thank you for your call on 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. There's more texts and calls coming in on abuse on the buses. We'll get to those shortly. Uh, also, some good news, though. I'm sure you're hearing a lot about uh, recessions in the UK and indeed in America. Well, it seems here in Ireland, we will be spared uh, the recession expected to hit the EU and indeed the UK uh, early next year and even at the moment, because while huge global demands for Irish exports continue uh, from beef and cheese and even our medicines that are produced here in this country, that is going to keep our economy on track into 2023. This is coming from the stockbrokers Davies, who uh, looking at, at their forecast, they think Ireland will see a growth, a small growth, but still a growth compared to other countries. And they don't believe a major recession is on the cards here. And that all goes back to our exports here in Ireland. And it's keeping our, our GDP in a positive territory, so they say. So that's some good news, anyhow, when it comes to uh, the future of our country financially. And you would have heard the drama and indeed the scandal out of the Irish dancing uh, last week. Well, Riverdance. We all know Riverdance. It has distanced itself from the Irish dancing organisation at the centre of the alleged cheating scandal. The world-famous Irish dancing show has said now it will not be sponsoring any further competitions or anything to do with the CLRG until it knows the outcome of its investigation. Now, this is going to be a huge blow to them uh, because that's the organisation that look after the dancing. It's probably the biggest scandal ever to hit Irish dancing. It also reflects badly across the world world, but they have um, a, a former court of appeal judges investigating the claims, so we'll see uh, what comes out of that. And then, by the way, of boosting and welfare boosts, many people will see, uh, who are on welfare, will see uh, one-off lump sum payments over the next number of months. Of course, these were announced in the budget, and there's going to be eight different lump sum payments aimed at offsetting the crisis, and they're going to be paid between now and Christmas, and the autumn double lump sum payments, that will be paid uh, to around one4 4 million people from next Monday and also a double child benefit payment will be paid on the week beginning the 1st of November uh, and then another four bumper payments will be made and they'll begin on November the 14th that's the fuel allowance that will kick off with the lump sum of the fuel allowance of 400 euros from the week beginning uh, November the 14th and then a 200 euro lump sum payment to people on the living alone allowance that will also begin on November the 15th as well as the 500 euro cost of living payment to those on the working family payment and a 500 euro disability support grant and then a week later uh, to the 21st of November there's going to be a once-off payment of 500 euros that will be made to more than 130,000 carers in receipt of the carer support grant and then a double Christmas bonus will be paid on December the 5th and the government has also increased the welfare rates as we know and that's coming in from January so there are some dates that we were waiting on for those lump sum payments clarified this morning uh, out of budget 2023 and I mentioned 
there briefly Riverdance of course which was uh, one of the um, halftime acts in the Eurovision well we didn't get to mention this yesterday because it was a busy show but Liverpool will be hosting the Eurovision next year uh, there was a big competition of course it came down to Glasgow and Liverpool Bush what came out of that well capitalised on your demand I suppose for accommodation because less than 12 hours after the announcement Booking.com said that 99% of hotels in the city were fully booked but then what happened a lot of those cancelled and you had to rebook and when you rebooked then you were paying double the price for example uh, one this was one of the apartments in an area called Stanley Street in Liverpool if you were looking to book this for two adults it was going to cost you 5,580 euros yes and then if you were looking for the cheaper option for a one bedroom apartment it's 1,999 euros and that's for one night so they're trying to capitalise on hosting the Eurovision not too sure will many people want to stay in Liverpool if the booking rates are going to hit roughly they reckon this is coming from the Times of London it's going to hit 8,000 euros a night to stay in Liverpool that could turn people off anyhow uh, your views are welcome on that 0818 103 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 uh, going to hear from those people who are con- paying their condolences uh, to what happened in Crishla we'll hear from them next and an update uh, on what's happening following the tragedy in Donegal Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And as people poured into St. Michael's Church in Krishla from across Donegal yesterday to donate items to the village that lost its only shop and this was due to that explosion that took the lives of 10 people last Friday. Good Samaritans brought the likes of milk, tea, bread and other essentials to the church in the last few days and this is just to keep the village of Krishla going because it, it was the only shop and people more or less I suppose forgot in a way that with roads being closed was a lot tougher uh, to go uh, to nearby areas to go shopping the mayor of Letterkilly and Milford uh, Donald Mandy Kelly uh, they have said that this is showing the generosity and goodwill of the people of Donegal and indeed of Ireland but I suppose stories are coming out now from what happened on that day and uh, this is as they prepare uh, to bury the people today from that explosion last Friday. It's just showing one of the young boys who escaped serious injury. And the reason he did was Hamish O'Flaherty, whose father James died in the explosion. He was sitting in his father's Volvo in the service station forecourse uh, at about just after three o'clock uh, when the explosion took place. He was looking out the window of the passenger uh, seat of the of the Volvo, and then the 12 year old he dropped something in the car so as you do he leaned forward to pick it up but as he leaned forward that's when the explosion occurs and when he got back up obviously the explosion had taken place Uh, but Daniel Gill he's a neighbour of the O'Flaherty family and he said Hamish's actions saved him from a significant injury from the impact of that explosion and stories like this now are emerging as people get together and are talking at the various vigils and indeed uh, at the services that have been held right across the area there of Donegal well books of condolences are opened at Cork City Hall also opening a county hall for the victims of Krishla uh, and our news reporter Murray Tuwik spoke to those people who went along to sign the book of condolence I feel so so sad for the people in Donegal and all over all over Donegal and all over Ireland anyway because it's, it's 
it affects me thinking about it. Like, it could be any one of my kids went in for an ice cream. It, you know, we, we could have stopped for petrol there sometime. I'm from the Kinsale area, which is the wild Atlantic way, the other side of Donegal. Donegal is the top, Kinsale is the bottom. And I thought it'd be nice to come and sign the book. And yeah, did it mean a lot to you to have the opportunity locally to sign a book here? Absolutely, I think it's a great idea. And I, and I hope lots of people will do it, and they will. And all over the whole country is grieving for Donegal, in fairness. Like, you, you, you couldn't say enough at the moment to appreciate how lucky we are that we weren't in that situation like there in Donegal at the moment. I came here today because I think everybody's affected by this sad occurrence. Uh, ten innocent people who went about their business, one going in for uh, a birthday cake for their mother, the other man going in for an ATM, somebody else going in for sweets. It could be any one of us. And I know Chrysler, myself, and such a small community. I come from a small community and, you know, one is very badly affected. So it's the least that we can do to come along and um, show our sympathy, which is very little, but those people are going to go through an awful lot. And, you know, we just have to pray for them. And that's our reporter, Murray Tuwig, who was speaking to those who turned up yesterday evening at City Hall to sign the Book of Condolences, which is uh, now open for victims of Chrysler, uh, also at the County Hall. And I'm told there in the last few minutes, Bernie informs me that a Book of Condolences is now opened at the lobby of the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow, and that will be opened for the week. Johnny Bongos has opened that Book of Condolences if you're in the Mallow area. We're going to hear uh, later in the show from vigils that took place last night across Ireland and from those who attended those vigils. That's on the way. But next we're going to hear when do you give your child their first mobile phone? And what rules do you put in place so they use the phone wisely and correctly? We'll be discussing that next. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. UK TV presenter Dan Walker admits he is very strict with his children when it comes to mobile phone and tablet usage. He says in an upcoming book that devices are taken away if they break the signed contracts they have agreed with their parents. Well, Laura Erskine the parentingexperts.com uh, joins me on this. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. So I suppose Dan, who many will remember him from his days at BBC Breakfast, now on Channel 5, uh, is it a good idea or maybe not so a good idea to maybe start this forming of contracts? Because in one way, if the rules are broken, if you abuse it, it may not be a bad idea. I think it's a fantastic idea um, and I only wish I'd done it myself to be perfectly <laughs> honest <laughs> um, I have two children with mobile phones so I have a 13 year old who has started secondary school and has his mobile phone with him um, most of, of the time um, now in school obviously there are very strict rules and there's an immediate confiscation if they're broken um, and then I have an 11 year old who started this year she's in fifth class to walk home from school so she's allowed to bring it to school, goes into a box at the teacher's desk during school hours and then it's taken and she has it for that walk home from school so that I can contact her. And then invariably there's various extracurricular activities and I may need to touch base with her to find out what time they're finished at so we can do that outside of school hours. And it is very handy. But all of these mobile phones have access to the internet. They're not a, they're a smartphone. They don't have, they're not the old Nokias. Um, and, you know, the rules have been broken. The rules 
that I set out verbally with my children have been broken. There have been confiscations at home. Um, and always it falls back into grey areas and arguments and negotiations about what was really agreed. So having that formal written contract is a fantastic idea and something that I think all parents should do because there's there's so many elements um, of responsibility when it comes to having your own mobile phone. And why technology now will let you see what websites they can be looking up. There's so many apps out there and especially with social media uh, you may need to see if they are typing messages to someone and maybe some people could be their friends others may not be their friends uh, the way social media acts these days. So uh, while you can check what they're doing on the phone regarding texting via social media apps is that a good thing to check what your child or who your child is interacting with? Absolutely. Um, you know, that, and that is one of the rules in my home is that at any time I should be able to ask for the phone and to read uh, WhatsApp messages, to look at um, the conversations that are happening within other apps um, such as Snapchat, Instagram, even the gaming apps like Roblox um, and, and other similar games that allow groups to be set up um, that are private, that where you invite friends in and, and further messaging goes on and they're out sort of I suppose normal traditional messaging apps so I need to be able to see that and and actually as a result of being vigilant on that uh, my daughter has an iPad which obviously she wouldn't be carrying around and it was really for use at the guests but last year there was an incident within a Roblox gaming app where there were a private group was set up and my daughter was being cyber bullied and she hadn't told me about it and it had been going on for 10 days before I realised and it was a spot check that maybe um, you know that, that alerted my attention to it that and I suppose her humour not being as good at home um, and, and she was too scared to tell me about the cyberbullying in case her iPad was taken away from her because she didn't want to lose out so she'd rather have suffered in the group and being upset than, than risk having the iPad taken away altogether so having that contract in place which allows you to, to sort of open those lines of communication saying you know if something's going on it doesn't mean your phone is going to be taken in a way you need to be able to talk to me about it and um, allowing those spot checks um, to take place and, and if they're not willing to, to agree to that then they shouldn't have a mobile phone because until they're of an age that they can digest and deal with this information um, that goes on within these messaging apps that goes on within their groups of friends uh, and and be resilient and, and know how to assess risk um, then you know they, they ha- you, ha- you as a parent have a responsibility to keep an eye on that uh, in the same way that you wouldn't let them drive a car um, without them having the full training and they haven't got the the world life training to be able to deal with a lot of what's going on on the internet uh, and indeed the bullying risks um, and even sexual predator risks that um, that can exist within um, really um, apps that you think are, are innocent and okay for children when people pose as, as, as children when they're really adults. And had that conversation that if, if they are in a situation of bullying, they won't lose the iPad or phone. That's simply your check-in to protect them, I suppose, before anything like that could happen. But then uh, for maybe a boy or girl a bit older th- th- than your two, if you're 16, 17 years old, I suppose 16 really, uh, do you want your parents looking at your messages? Uh, how do you deal with a 16-year-old <laughs> who, who may be in, in a situation and, and are using Instagram, for example, uh, to text someone? 
Yeah, I suppose at that point, um, when we reach that age of, of 16, we, we, no, no no teenager of that age is going to let you pick up the phone and, and check it. But you do have to have rules around use. Um, I would recommend that parents say that that, that no matter how old you are, um, up until you're, you're of an adult age, that, that phones shouldn't be in the bedrooms at night. I think it's really, you know, while you're still in school, like secondary school, um, you need to get your sleep and the phones are a complete distraction. The messaging that goes on in the middle of the night, um, the, the risks that we see about bullying going on and, and people messaging, um, you know, e- even direct messaging people through um, apps that uh, hide their identity. Uh, and they could be they could be people within their, their circle of friends or their, their school or class group um, that, with threatening messages, with bullying messages. Uh, and we've seen, um, you know, really tragic situations where teenagers have taken their own lives because they haven't been able to communicate with their parents about it. They've been so upset. Maybe they've been called out on their sexuality. Maybe they've been called out because they made a mistake at one time and somebody has some information on them and they're scared that it's going to come to light. Uh, And these, I suppose, while we can't protect our, our children from this, ultimately having phones in the room at night is one way to, I suppose, give them a break. And if it's the house rules, then they have to go with it, Um, especially when you're the parent who's paying the bill at the end of the day. Um, And um, aside from that, then keeping that conversation open, using the news, using the radio, using television, using movies that come out that tackle these issues to open conversations on a really regular basis. So it becomes really normal for you to have those kinds of chats. They're not embarrassing um, for you or your child. And you both get to learn more uh, um, about this ever evolving world of, of, of online and social media usage. And it can be a minefield for sure. Uh, for when you mention they're giving a child a mobile phone it's the one question we always get and for your two, when, what age I mean, would you recommend to give a child? I mean a lot of people as you said yourself will give the mobile phone so they get home safely from school uh, but is there any correct age on this? You know, if you can hold out for as long as possible, um, that's really the best idea. Um, My children are in a different situation because uh, myself and their father are divorced. So um, it means that they're out of contact with me um, on two different days of the week uh, and they're overnights and they want to be able to contact me. So they've had phones from a younger age than perhaps other children would have. And they've had to hand them back then when they get back to me. Um, But as they've got older, they've been able to keep them, um, but not in the room at night. Ideally, if you can wait until secondary school or at least sixth class in primary school, that's um, that would be my recommendation because once they have it, you can't take it away. It's like it's like pushing the toothpaste back inside the tube. It doesn't work. So the longer you can resist it, the better. Um, and then having those strict rules around usage, checking the apps that they have. I mean, a lot of the social media apps, they, you're not even supposed to have them until they're 12 years of age, like Instagram, Snapchat, um, they all have rules. It's either twelve or thirteen before they can even they're they're even allowed to have an account on them. And that's there for a reason because they're not they're not able to risk. Their brain hasn't even developed enough to be able to to 
you know, navigate all of these varying different elements of, of emotional baggage that can come along with, with using these apps. And I mean, it's difficult enough managing friendship groups, but it is nice for them um, to have it for, for secondary school. They generally set up group apps where they have they've a class app and they text homework or they text when they're meeting up after training. Uh, and unfortunately, it's a reality of today. So there's a really, really good website called um, webwise.ie. It's a government funded website website um, it's it has all of the up-to-date information around the latest social media apps gaming apps the risks that maybe have been posed to um to children within those and um, whatever's trending at the moment and they update it daily they've got pdf downloads they've got videos explaining to parents and to children how to use various different apps what the risks are um, and so for parents who say gosh you know i don't even know anything about that world i'm still i still love my no and I'm not giving it up. Um, it is a case of, of of if you can't beat them, join them. You need to understand that. And as a parent, you know you you need to be able to understand what app, what apps are out there. So checking in on that website on a regular basis will give you a really dummy's guide to what's what's going on in the world of the web um, and what to watch out for when it comes to your children. True, it's all a learning curve for the moment. Laura, good advice there, and thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Take care. Laura Erskine there of parentingexperts.com. Um, your views are welcome. When was the first time you gave your child a mobile phone uh, or indeed a tablet for use? 0818103103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And by the way, as we were chatting there with Laura, there's a lot of colds and flus around over the next number, or well, there is at the moment, but over the next number of weeks, it'll probably increase. Uh, we are going to have a pharmacist discussing uh, what you can do to prevent this and the best ways to treat. Uh, your young child uh, she'll be joining us on Thursday show so if you have any questions for her uh, you can email us those we'll put them to her on the show on Thursday Cork today at c103.ie here at c103 it's JP though until one on Cork today in for Patricia not feeling too well today so me with you until one Bernie uh, taking your comments and indeed if you want to raise anything on the show call us 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 ahead we're going to hear how local businesses are worried ahead of this winter because many are going to struggle with the costs associated with business, that being energy, but also food costs and some family-run businesses, they say uh, they're just going to work voluntary to keep the business and to keep the doors open. Uh, we'll be hearing from the Corp Business Association shortly on that, but a lot of calls and comments coming in. This is on, first of all, the text we had earlier on this morning on this deer, on that D. Uh, who texted us uh, was travelling. Uh, this was from the Borhabui side of Horgan's Cross in Kishkin. Uh, she saw, first of all, a lot of people have agreed they thought it was a calf because it's a young deer the size of a calf and it's dead lying in the ditch. Uh, but who's responsible for taking this dead animal away? We were thinking the department. Some people have come back to us and saying it could be the local authority. John is in Middleton. He says the local council office should be informed about the dead deer on the road. John used to work for the council and he he said they used to always come out and remove dead animals. So uh, maybe also worth checking in with Cork County Council. Uh, while I, a lot of people are back saying, yeah, I actually saw this this morning on my way to work. I presumed it was hit by a vehicle, but many people thought it was a calf. It's actually a deer now. Uh, but th this is coming from uh, a lot of people this morning asking, what is the situation if you do hit a deer? 
Uh, does your insurance cover you? Is your car covered for the damage the deer could cause? Well, uh, we have checked in with the AA and they have told us that if you're hitting any large animal, be that a deer, at speed, yes, it can cause quite extensive damage to your car and indeed then as well to the poor animal. Uh, but most comprehensive policies will cover you for any damage to your vehicle that wasn't the result of a crash with another car. If you make a claim after colliding with a wild animal, you're likely though to lose your no claims bonus as well as your excess unless you have the protected no claims discount in place and if you're able to prove the animal was a pet, a farm animal or any other animal uh, owns, then you can reclaim your costs through the owner if they should have kept that animal secure and did not do so but when it comes to wild animals like deer, yes you can claim off your car insurance providing and check your policy providing you of comprehensive uh, but just bear in mind if you do claim your no claims bonus will be affected unless you have the protected no claims discount in place so just be aware of that for those who have been contacting us and if you're covered uh, by insurance if you do hit a deer on the road and be careful because a lot of people are back saying yes the JP October is the month uh, for deer mating so you will see deer running across roadways in certain areas of the county and as I mentioned McCroom earlier Damien saying you can warn drivers that in the Lissarda area on the way to McCroom. It's known for deers running across the road late at night, so be alert for drivers who may be travelling on the Cork to McCroom Road. Uh, also another hotspot for deers, and that will be the case for, uh, well, for the entirety of October and maybe into November as well. And then we discussed the transport issues. This is why, or where the Transport Union in Ireland, they want a dedicated police force for transport due to the ongoing increases of antisocial behaviour on board buses and trains and we heard from people uh, earlier in the show who did witness antisocial behaviour uh, saw people roaring at bus drivers simply because there was a, a fare increase which the bus driver did not impose uh, that would be the companies who run the buses or the, the transport authority but the bus driver got roared at and uh, got abused and we, we saw other cases and heard other cases as well of antisocial behaviour earlier on in the show but James is inclined and he says he often travels on buses but one day he saw a man urinating on a bus. He complained to the driver. Boss Aaron wrote back to James to say that it had been dealt with and that the bus was sanitised in the next depot. But that is not good enough, says James. That man should have been reported and an inspector should have been informed. James knows a lot of drivers that are afraid driving at night and he feels they should have an emergency button that they can press for help, uh, says James in Klein on to Bernie and 0818103103. I do presume they have an emergency button. You would hope they would have some type of system whereby if something does happen uh, that they can press a button and it alerts somehow. Uh, with technology it should be able to alert uh, a guard station or somebody to, to come and get the bus but I'm not too sure how that works but I'd imagine James that drivers are worried at night if that type of uh, behaviour is going on on buses and then we spoke with Laura from parentingexpert.com and this was to do with the UK TV presenter Dan Walker because he has decided to give contracts to his children on their mobile phone use. If they break the contract, then the mobile phone gets taken away from them. And a lot of people agree because Laura Erskine from ParentingExperts.com, she says she agrees with this. She's sorry she didn't think of this herself. And a lot of people, a lot of uh, parents are in contact to say they think it's a good idea. Uh, this is from Laura who says, I agree uh, with your 
sure, Laura, that was on the show. And indeed, with what Dan has done, I think it's a great idea. At least then it's in writing and it prevents any future arguments on mobile phone use in the house. While Dan says, yes, I totally agree, but I do think even at 12 or 13, they are too young to be receiving a mobile phone. It's just too dangerous considering what is out there these days. Bernadette, she gave her child their first mobile phone at the age of 12, but she feels there's pressure then on parents to do so because if others have a mobile phone, uh, then you feel you have to give your child as well. But she does feel there's advantages to make sure and that you know they are safe uh, when they are out and about. And then other views on this. First of all, somebody else on text saying uh, they should never have phones or iPads because uh, this person feels people know nothing when they grow up. And Sheila is making a comparison to when she was growing up because Sheila says she was 14 years when she got her first watch, just a watch. And she said, I worked for that watch. Uh, so maybe asking the uh, children to work for their phone. Thank you, Sheila, for your text to 0862103103. And somebody else says, parents give their children tablets to keep their kids quiet. They don't even look then where they are going on the street, those that are walking with mobile. Uh, this person feels they need to learn the hard way. We don't need apps to know what is going on around us. And somebody else saying, I went to school in the 80s, no mobile phones. I got home safely from school. I was on a bus in the dark. Honestly, kids don't need phones. No wonder they can't communicate today. While Anna, uh, she gave her child their first phone at 13. Now, she says there was the very reason that Laura mentioned that they would get home safely from school. But we had a strict rule in the house and we used Wi-Fi to ensure that they could not access internet at certain hours at home. The phone did not have access to 4G. So the only way they could get on the internet or use apps on the phone was with the home Wi-Fi. We would switch it off between 5 and and eight to ensure they get their homework done. We will leave it on then for an hour, but when they went to bed, the phones would either stay downstairs or if they brought them up, the Wi-Fi would be switched off so they could not access Wi-Fi. Uh, we ensured that the 4G, again, was not accessible in the settings of the phone uh, thanks to the shop that we purchased the phone from, says Anna. While Anne-Marie says this is a very tough one for parents, as if others have, in the class that is, have a mobile phone, then your child will want one. That's what we faced. Eventually, we did give in and we put all the various measures in place. But you have to be so, so careful. And Marie says, for parents, my message is to make sure that you put in line that you can check their text messages and the messages that you would be able to read from the likes of Instagram or indeed Snapchat. It's when they're in their teenage years that can be the toughest when they get older because they don't want their parents looking uh, for one reason or another at their messages. That's from Anne-Marie on WhatsApp to 0862103103. You can text on the same number or indeed call Bernie 0818103103. So like those parents, when did you first give your child a mobile phone and what do you put in place? I mean, that TV presenter, Dan, uh, Walker in the UK uh, putting a contract in place Laura uh, Erskine from ParentingExperts.com she said she never even thought of that and sorry she didn't do it and it's a great idea but maybe somebody else has put something else in place that can help other parents let us know and what age do you give your child a phone you can hear the examples there from parents who came under pressure because others in the classroom uh, had a phone and they felt they had to get their child a phone but they put various measures in place it is a minefield and there's so much out 
out there now uh, when it comes to phones it's a minefield and very hard indeed for uh, parents anyhow uh, you can let us know on 0818 103 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 and I just want to return to Krishla because uh, we heard earlier from those who were signing the books of condolences here in Cork and why they were doing so. Well, as funerals get underway in Donegal this morning, vigils took place last night across Ireland. And here is some of those people who attended those vigils. It's sad. What happened up there and have sympathy for all the families and uh, especially young kids that were lost. I think it's just awful. It's it's hard for us to visualise it not being there, but I mean it's just awful. It was um, such a terrible accident affecting so many of the townspeople. I'm from Dowden myself, and Greece uh, is obviously quite close to me. But I'm living up in Derry myself. But it was a wee way of just kind of. It's, it's just nice to see like the everyone coming together for such a hard time. I don't think there is any words to sort of explain how people are feeling, and I think just being able to come together and a show of support for the families of the people in Chrysler and the, the wider community in Chrysler is incredible. And the turnout tonight speaks for itself. You know how people are feeling. As Derry people, we feel so close to Donegal, and if it hasn't, it's, it's touched them. Everybody, really, it's a long time since we've had a tragedy that bad. I was chatting a few ones. I was chatting a few ones from Chrysler as well, and uh, they were obviously it's just really affected everyone. But it's only kind of recently. It's kind of once the dust settled itself, it's kind of re- everyone's kind of realised how much it's hit everyone, like everyone. And that's some of those people who took part and attended the vigils held last night right, right across Ireland. Uh, and obviously our thoughts are with everybody in Krishla in Donegal today. There is a vigil going to be held tomorrow night in Bandon, in Bridge Place in Bandon at 7 o'clock. Locals may know that better as the Fish Corner in Bandon if you would like to go along there tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. On the way, how businesses will cope with the winter ahead. C103 Jobs. A bakery manager is wanted for Drimmer League. You can email centradrimmerleague at gmail.com or call 087-311-2807. A recruitment open day for Domino's Cork is taking place in the Maldrill Hotel in Cork Wednesday following the recent announcement to recruit 1,000 roles nationwide. And this is in preparation for the busy festive season ahead. Domino's hopes to field over 50 roles across its Cork stores in Douglas, Washington Street and indeed in Blackpool, as well as their new store in Wilton, which is due to open this November. And qualified electricians are wanted for Ring Skiddy. There's an immediate start. You can send your CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com or you can telephone them on 087-165-0527. You'll find these jobs and much more now online. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. There's further warnings that family-owned restaurants, pubs and coffee shops are facing into the toughest winter ever as energy costs continue to rise. Helen Murphy of the Cork Business Association says many businesses are worried at the future ahead and she joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Helen. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. There's so many challenges for businesses over the last number of years, but this is probably the toughest many have seen just to keep the doors open. It certainly is. I mean, all all businesses are facing huge 
challenges just to remain open at the moment. But I think it's particularly uh, keenly felt with small restaurants and coffee shops uh, that are really, really struggling at the minute. And we're hearing then from businesses outside of the energy costs. So you mentioned coffee shops there, the food that they purchase to serve in their shops and, and those that are made in the kitchens, that has increased. There's a combination of not just energy, but food as well. Absolutely. I mean, the cost of all food inputs for restaurants and cafes are rising rapidly. So you think about meat, dairy, flour, eggs in particular, the costs have just gone through through the roof. So no matter what, your coffee shop, your local bakery, no matter what they're preparing, the cost of, of, of just literally gathering the ingredients and putting a meal on a plate to serve to a customer, it, you know, those costs have really, really in, increased enormously. And then, of course, the businesses themselves, they're finding it difficult to pass those costs on to the customers as consumers are very price sensitive at the moment, especially now when lots of people are being very careful about their own discretionary spend. So so the, uh, the restaurant owners and cafe owners are caught in that bind of rising food prices, but they can't raise their own prices to, uh, to uh, cover it. So, you know, it really is a very, very tight and difficult situation all around. And we mentioned this on the show last week. This was from the Celtic Ross Hotel, Neil Grant, who's the general manager there. He mm-hmm. tweeted uh, that in August 2022, last August, the electricity bill for the hotel arrived. It was 24,000, just over 24,000 euro uh, compared to just over 8,800 euros for the year before. But uh, that was for August 21 before. But the, the government would have come out with the help in the budget. Uh, this help, which for under the temporary business energy support scheme it doesn't go back beyond September so businesses like the Celtic Ross and others we have heard from they can't get that help for the big bills they saw in the summer months Absolutely and the same applies to to, to all your small shops and cafes and so on and so forth while, while the government supports are welcome and we really do welcome those. It is unfortunate that uh, that uh, they're not going back further when, you know, to at uh, the beginning of the summer when, when all those, you know, bigger bills started to arrive on the doorstep. So so that is unfortunate and, and again it just adds to the anxiety, if you like, that, that all these business owners are feeling and facing into a very uncertain few months now with, uh, with uh, the winter winter coming in rapidly. And the VAT rates, which is due to go up to 13.5% again next year, I mean, many are campaigning that it stays at 9% uh, for those in the, in the hospitality sector. Uh, would you agree that it should stay? Now, there's no confirmation that it will go up next year. Some TDs are saying it was mentioned, but there's a review clause within the budget, so it may not go up. But at the moment, it looks like it will do. But would you rather things stay as they are? Or do you feel that oh. it, it will go up eventually and maybe it just just do it now? Absolutely, I think I think it would be the nail in the coffin for so many small businesses if that if DAT rates went up to thirteen and a half percent at the. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at Blue dot com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. End of February next next year. I think they're just struggling with so many costs. I think this would just be uh, a straw that would break the camel's back, if you like. I think we need to maintain that VAT rate at nine percent for the foreseeable future, for for hospitality especially. I mean, it's it, it, it's one of the few lifelines that uh, that the government could give the industry at the moment. And then family businesses, uh, we've heard from them, it's been mentioned in the doll that they will uh, work more or less on a voluntary basis and they won't be taking a high wage from the business just to keep the doors open. There's a lot of family businesses right across Cork and I'm sure within your own uh, business association as well, Helen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're seeing it everywhere uh, that people are really now just struggling to, uh, to, to keep the business ticking over. There won't be any huge wages taken by by business owners and in fact many businesses are looking at re- reducing um, the their opening hours in terms of the days that they're open or the hours that they'll open as a method for trying try, trying to control costs and so all of that then will impact on their own family earnings and so on so it's a very worrying situation all around. So while online shopping can be big and many of the local shops are online, you would ask people as much as they can to support the local small businesses across Absolutely. Cork. Absolutely, we can't. We we you know we can't bang that drum loud enough. We're just asking people to come in, support their local businesses, both in the towns and in and in Cork City here as well too. You know, it means so much. You know, these these businesses struggled so much through the pandemic, and now. As you said, they're facing an even bigger challenge now. And I think if we lose some of these businesses, it, you know, it, it will really affect the vibe in the city centre, especially, you know, the lovely outdoor uh, seating and so on that we have now. And that's built up over the last few years. I mean, if we lose that now, I think, you know, it, it, it will be to the and detriment of, of the city overall. 
we are hearing more and more local businesses closing we see it most days on social media and the reason is due to the energy costs as you mentioned we've seen that ourselves over the last number of years you mentioned the city centre there Helen a lot of derelict buildings in our city centre in Patrick Street now I know there's talks of new businesses going in there but for the last three or four years they will look derelict and you can see the impact that has on visitors to the city when they go back and they report in their own country that they felt Cork City was drab so you know, it would look further drab if local and smaller businesses close. Precisely. You know, it's, it's not the kind of image that we want to be pro- portraying to all the vis- visitors and tourists that uh, that uh, come to the city. So we need the, the city centre to be a vibrant sort of buzzing kind of place that, uh, you know, that people enjoy spending time in. And, you know, for shopping, socialising, hospitality all of that so you know if, if if more and more smaller businesses are forced to close then I think that will really have an impact on the image of Cork overall Well we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens if any more supports will be given over the next few months uh, but we're for the moment our fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, we're I'm sure you are for that, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure you are Helen for the moment yeah, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme Thank you Paul. Thank you uh, very take much care. Indeed. That is uh, Helen uh, Murphy there who is from the Cork Business Association uh, and just what their uh, members are facing but also right not only in Cork City or indeed Cork County right across the country of what local businesses are, are seeing I mean if you go on social media any day of the week you will hear or see businesses uh, from right across the country be that a small electrical shop to a coffee shop uh, to a local store uh, who are closing because they just can't sustain uh, the costs coming into them by way of energy or indeed in some cases food your views are welcome 0818103103 text or whatsapp 0862103103 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 and a big reaction to those who are concerned really about the local stores coming into the winter. Many of the local stores telling them they are finding it tough and they will have to look and see if they will survive this coming winter and into the next few months, uh, into early 2023, I suppose, as well. Uh, but this is from George, who says, JP, you spoke with a shop owner a number of months ago on your show and he gave examples of what he was facing and he predicted that this would happen. And you're right. Uh, we spoke with Ted Burke from Castleview Stores in Liscarroll and he was one of the first to out this was in August and he gave an example of what indeed he was facing uh, energy wise and bill wise and how this would affect his local store uh, here's just a piece of that interview when I spoke with Ted back in August I had a contract with electricity for 15 cent a unit uh, when we set it off two years ago and my normal bill would be by monthly would be about a thousand euro so my contract was finished, uh, it would be finished on the 22nd, and I, I got a letter back out from, uh, from electricity stating that uh, the lowest they could give me for a 12-month contract would be 50 cents uh, per unit, plus that. And I, I could do a t- uh, two-year contract at 44 cents per unit. Now, to me, at 15 cents per unit, it was uh, over 200, 233% of a rise. So where can you come in with 233%? I mean, where in the name of God can anybody expect us to pay that? And, you know, as much as I would love to stay here in this, have a service here in this call, if that continues to be, I just couldn't. No way could I afford to do that. And I know that there's many more businesses that are going to be like that. 
you know, because <laughs> there isn't that much of profit margin as they can afford to pay 3,000 euros of a bill every month. So that was the reality Ted was facing back in August and we did say at that time we would see more businesses facing this and now we are and not just energy but also from a food perspective uh, when it comes to increases. Anyhow, our lines are open 0818103103. Maybe you're a shop, a local shop in an area who is facing this. Uh, Join us and let us know what indeed the reality of is running a a local shop or indeed any kind of local store at the moment or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. I just want to go back to yesterday's show because we have a lot of comments that we didn't get to towards the end of the show yesterday and we were discussing referees and we spoke uh, with the former GAA president Sean Kelly, an Ireland South MEP and this was should now the GAA decide to take away the not the linesmen but the officials who will be on the sideline near enough to the linesmen should they be taken away from the sideline and be put behind the pitch so that it would be less abuse given to linesmen and indeed given to the referees uh, because many feel they're the ones who cause uh, the grief on the pitches and the abuse we have seen over the last number of years uh, from those on the sidelines to the refs. So there was mixed views on this. Uh, many felt no, uh, keep them there because they do spur on uh, the players. Others felt they had a lot of them have headphones now and they don't need to be on the sidelines anymore. And some people felt that the referees themselves, they frustrate the supporters and those involved with the team by the decisions they make and they feel some refs should be going back for further training. Then we heard from referees and what they have faced over the years and the majority would say it's from underage games rather than your senior or minor games. These would be the under 17 or under 11 games. Anyway, uh, Miriam is in Bandon and she says that there are a lot of good referees and a lot of bad ones. She was at two matches uh, recently and there was nearly as many people on the sidelines from management as players on the pitch. It is becoming like a professional sport. For Jews to the young people taking part in the sports, it is a joy to watch, but the management system, well, it's just gone overboard. There should be no parents allowed on the sidelines at underage games either, uh, says Miriam. While also we have a different uh, text here, and this is from John Joe, who says, yes I agree there is far too many people on the sidelines it's totally ridiculous the less people we should have on the sidelines uh, far too many are are queuing up on the sidelines and abusing uh, those so uh, your views are welcome on that 0818 103 103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 and Bernie if you're listening there we'll go to Nicole now of my canine companion um, we, we'll uh, go to the common callers after 12 we'll go to Nicole now very shortly from my, ca- my canine companion to hear what they're up to this coming Friday but uh, can anybody help this person who is uh, looking for a mortgage but they have gone about a mortgage already and I'll go back to this as well after midday because I see more calls coming in uh, this is around if you're buying a home or renting a home this person they have come from South Africa they've been in Ireland for the last nine months and they were renting in South Africa for the past 10 years or more. Now they wanted to buy a house and they initially got a loan for €265,000 and the house they were looking at was €260,000. So they were asked to pay a deposit to secure the house of €10,000 and they were given rates for the solicitors, the inspectors and other costs and it all added up to about 20k. So they paid the 10k deposit and the engineer was sent out but then they got a call from the bank requesting paperwork for the business I own. But this 
person says, I do not own a business. I never have and probably never will, which I told to this person. Then she stated that the paperwork was wrong and what was sent to her was incorrect and everything would have to be done again, which is very frustrating. But then suddenly when they got the proper letters from the bank, they were told they needed a deposit of €46,000 and this was without any reason. Now, very few today, I believe, had that kind of money lying around. In the meantime, we also then got the invoice from our engineer of 600 euros, which obviously we had to pay him. Uh, so if we lose this house because of the deposit we were not told about from the beginning, we have lost that money. They say the 10K we would get back, but nothing about the 600 euros. We are still hoping uh, someone can help us out. It's a beautiful home. Well, uh, on the engineer, yes, you pay the engineer 600 euros. So you won't get that back because the engineer has done their work on the 10k you say you'll get that back and yeah because if you don't go ahead with the house you put down the deposit but if you're not going ahead you'll get that back Uh, that's just to secure the house and these days they know they will sell the house I would reckon the mistake was with the bank Uh, will they stand over that it's very hard to see a bank standing over uh, that difference between 10k and 46k if they advised you that they would give you a mortgage of 265 uh, it seems they got their calculations wrong and it looks like they were giving you some type of business loan apart from a mortgage how they made that mistake I'll never know Uh, 100% mortgages are well gone in Ireland uh, but you would need some substantial deposit and it could be it could be up to nearly 46k I know people who are saving and saving for homes and couples who have saved 40k they could be saving 20k each but they could be saving that for the last 15 years anyway uh, it does look like they made a mistake in your application Uh, can you solve that with the bank I don't think the bank will send over it if I'm perfectly honest insurance companies might have to send over an incorrection that they have but banks may not Uh, stand over that has anybody else been in that situation whereby the bank have given the wrong details to you and now you were faced like that situation whereby you were promised a loan amount but the loan amount is going to be short and now there's a shortfall to purchase the house let us know 0818 103 103 now my canine companion is an Irish national charity which provides service dogs to children and young adults with autism and they're holding their fifth annual green tie ball this coming Friday. Nicole Duggan, events manager, joins me. Good morning to you, Nicole. How are you? And thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. Just tell us first about my canine companion, uh, what you're about and how all this started. So my Cane Companion is um, a charity that provides autism service dogs to kids on the spectrum, obviously, around Ireland. Um, We're a nationwide charity that was set up in 2011, um, and we're now the largest provider of service dogs in the country. Um, So we receive no government funding um, or any funding, realistically. So anything we do is based on fundraising and charitable donations. Um, So that's why we're holding our ball on Friday night. So it's a fundraising activity for us basically our biggest one since covid which obviously shut everything down for us um and the aim of it is to raise money so that we can open our list next year and accept more families onto our program and we have heard nicole firsthand from families of the importance of a service dog to their child or indeed a young adult and with this do you work directly with people who approach you for a service dog or how does it work if people wish to receive a dog there is an application process. Our waiting list is closed at the moment. Um, we have dedicated to that. We will open our list every year going forward. So we opened this year in June. We took 70 families. Now, we did have over 2,000 applicants. Um, but due to resources and obviously 
um, staff and funding, we can only take a certain amount of families a year. So our aim is that these families will have their dog placed with them within 12 months and then we will open our list again. So we do have um, an expression of interest form on our website that people can go on, express interest in the service and then they're put onto a mailing list for any information about the list opening. But our list is closed at the moment. So high demand for your service, uh, as you would expect at the moment. And how much does a service dog cost then? So it would cost the charity €10,000 to train a dog over its lifting. Um, So that includes, obviously, we provide the dog for the family, their training, um, our staff, and we support our families from the puppy right up to a qualified dog and on to retirement. So what it means is we have a puppy programme, so it's a unique programme in Ireland where we actually place the puppy with the family um, at like 10 to 12 weeks old and then they grow up with the child, form a bond and then come up through the programme with our training staff. We train the family, like the handler, um, to be confident to be walking with the dog once they're qualified and then once the dog is qualified, they are attached to the child's and then they provide the safety that loads of our families, it would be the main reason that families would apply to us. Um, so, yeah, it is, it's a big, long process, but the results are amazing. And just talk about those results because the difference that they have made to families' lives and a child's life, you know, we have heard firsthand here. Uh, just explain for those who may not be familiar with the service. So I suppose a lot of the families that would apply to us for a dog, it would be for safety reasons. So their child might be a flight risk. They see no danger. They'll run. They'll bolt. Um, and a lot of the families that would come to us would say to us that it's like two families in the one house because one parent has to stay at home while the other go out with the other kids. So the goal for us is always bringing families together. So the dog does this. So what happens is once the dog is qualified, there is an attachment belt that goes from the dog to the child and it keeps the child from bolting but because of our puppy programme they've actually built up a bond with this dog before this belt is put on. So it means that families are able to do normal everyday activities that we all take for granted. Um, Obviously that would be our main reason that people would apply. We also have like the dogs provide huge emotional support sensory feedback when they're out and about they're the child's best friends and a lot of the kids if you ask them they'll actually say that to us um, that the dog is their best friend and they feel safe when they're out and about with them so they are life changers it's a lifeline for families um, and obviously with the huge demand we can see like how many families actually need it so that's why any fundraising or activities or events like this are so important for us so that we can keep helping people And how yourself Nicole did you get involved with the organisation? My son is actually on the spectrum. Um, he is, well, he'll be nine now in two weeks' time and really is an absolute flight risk. So he just bolts, he sees no danger. Um, so we had applied for a service dog for him and he luckily got matched with Willow and Riley was a child that had to be in a buggy because he's a big boy and I couldn't get out and about with him safely. Um, and since the day that she was attached to him, he hasn't sat in that buggy again. So I've seen it from both sides. Um, she's his best friend his speech wouldn't be the best and I always say she doesn't expect anything from him she doesn't expect words from him um, and she knows when he's getting stressed before I do um, so I suppose once I saw the amazing work that the charity do and like came up through the programme as a family and I trust it with all my heart I don't think I could go out and about without her now so 
um, I got involved then volunteering and started working with them about three years ago. Well, and it's amazing the way you say that Willow, the dog, knows how your son is getting stressed before you do. It's it's amazing the way dogs pick up on uh, our our emotions so more than we yeah. do. Yeah. And what what's your son's name? Riley. Brian, sorry, say that again. Riley. Riley, sorry, Riley. Yeah. Uh, Riley is so around nine years old and Willow is his best friend and you can see firsthand uh, what happened. So that's why I suppose for charities like this, we do need people to get behind you when there is no government supports and we yeah. hear the amazing work they do. So your Green Time Ball, it is on this coming Friday at the Clayton Silver Springs Hotel. It will help so many families like yourselves and Riley. Uh, how do you purchase tickets for the event? So tickets are on sale. We actually, the cut-off for ticket sales is this evening um, just so that we can get organised with numbers. They're on our website, so if you go to www.mccainandcompanion.ie, you'll actually see it on the homepage. So if you click there and you can purchase tickets from there, obviously we have um, the availability to purchase tables on the night as well and sponsorship from businesses and stuff, but they will be on sale until 5 o'clock today. And of course, all money's raised going to the charity and going to the work you do, uh, changing many people's lives. Uh, for the moment, Nicole, thank you for joining us. And the best Thanks of luck so on much. Friday. Uh, thank and you. It's, it's our own Pierce McCarthy from the newsroom will be emceeing the event on Friday. So if you recognise that voice, that's where you hear it from or <laughs> recognise it from. For the moment, Nicole, thanks for joining us this Thanks morning. So much. And uh, love to Riley and Willow as well. Thanks so much. Talk to you Take soon. care. Uh, Nicole Duggan there, events manager uh, from My Canine Companion. You can hear firsthand the work that they do uh, and the, the demand that there is for their service. And again, you can get tickets from their website. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. JP until one with Cork today. And your comments are welcome. Bernie takes those on 0818 103 103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103. Later, after 12.30, our regular show councillor Joe Heffernan will join us and considering what has happened in Krishla in County Donegal, Joe will be discussing the issue of trauma and how uh, what we have witnessed in Donegal over the last number of days uh, can bring up moments in the past for other people. Uh, we'll be discussing that later with Joe Heffernan after 12.30, but a lot of views in on various issues we have been discussing across the show and earlier this morning, I spoke with Dermot O'Leary of the National Bus and Rail Workers Union and he was saying uh, that while the conference is going on in Cork for the union they are now looking for a dedicated police force for transport across this country due to the increasing cases of antisocial behaviour and that's on board buses and we've heard of that here in Cork ourselves uh, over the last number of years. Uh, he outlined speaking to me earlier about the case from 2019 on that 24 hour bus route towards Line, and also we've seen that on trains uh, in the last uh, while as well and somebody has texted in to say that maybe we should stop all buses at 6pm and there's two things there I suppose first of all the antisocial behaviour can happen uh, daytime not only nighttime. but then if you stop at 6 o'clock why are those people who use uh, the bus in good faith uh, to get in and out of their local town village or wherever they're going uh, why should they suffer because we're shutting down public transport at 6 o'clock because we don't want people boarding a bus or a train in case they cause antisocial behaviour. I suppose that would be the two things when you look at, at that situation. Uh, Jim joins me though on the comments line this afternoon. Afternoon to you, Jim. Uh, good afternoon, John Paul. Uh, you have a story from when your partner, your daughter, daughter, isn't it, and her friend, they were on a, was it a bus going from Drogheda? This is only a few weeks ago. Yeah, uh, 
My partner's daughter, who is uh, 14 since May, and her little friend, who is 13, they went to uh, Drogheda just for a day shopping. Now, uh, they enjoyed their day, and on the way back, they got the bus. I think it was about 6 o'clock, maybe, 5 past 6 or something. But on the way back, there was two guys on the bus, and... They were sitting quite close to them. Now, they were they were rather messy, you know, in their actions. And uh, they appeared to be either drunk or high. Now, uh, the two girls observed them drinking. And there were other people on the bus as well, more uh, like elderly people. And they kind of bammed it off. But to make matters worse, these two guys in front of the girls were performing oral sex on each other. On the bus? On the bus. Oh, God. Now, to me, that is the lowest of the law. I'm not worried about their sexual orientation, whatever. But to do that in front of children and a bus is a public place now um, I knew when the girls came home that there was something after happening but I I didn't want to go questioning them but I suppose they couldn't kind of keep it in but they told me what happened and uh you know, I kind of got the feeling that they wouldn't go on the bus like that again unless there was an adult, a parent or something with them. That That is fair enough. Anyway, John Paul, I got on to Dublin bus to make an official complaint. And the guy that I was speaking to, he was shook to the core absolutely shook to the core, which I would expect. So he said to me that I would have to send an email or whatever to the company. Now, I don't do, e- do emails because I'm a bit a bit old for that. But anyway, he said that he would get on to somebody. And last week, I got a call from a lady, uh, must be Boss Aaron, and I told what happened. And she said, well, we can't really do anything about it. You get on to the guards. Now, I would think that there would be kind of like an onus on the company to report this to the guards. You would think so, Jim, because, I mean, you can yourself obviously go to the guard station and report it, but the fact that uh, many buses, any bus that I get on anyhow these days, has cameras, most of them have cameras, so they should be able to identify the person. If you give the bus route the time they were on that uh, and and you rang only a few days after it, you would think the the footage would be still there that they could pass on and ask the guardee to investigate this matter. Yes. Now, I wouldn't expect the, the driver... You know, that obviously a driver wouldn't have eyes in the back of their head. But I'm sure that driver must have observed these two guys when they were getting on the bus. Something wasn't right, that they were drunk. Now, if 
if two young girls could see that there was something wrong, surely the driver saw it. Yeah, or maybe what we heard earlier, drivers do see some things but they're afraid of abuse themselves so they hope that they're getting off at a, a next stop or a, a, a stop not too far from where they got on and that the situation will just disappear because drivers are getting abused so much. That's why they're calling for this transport police. So, so that could be, in, in the yeah. driver's defence, that could be one of the reasons maybe. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And look, I, I mean, I know all about it because I had two brothers who were bus drivers themselves but, uh, like, the way the lady was speaking to me, it was kind of like that, oh, this is the norm. That is not the norm. Certainly not. And was that it? That Was that your final conversation with the bus airman slash Dublin bus? And yes. Any follow-up? Yes, I, I didn't because um, I had to come back here to Bantry because I have doctor appointments now that because I'm not so well but if I had the time I would have got on to your sister station there LMFM in Lothamid yeah yes or I may have called into the Garda station there in Balbriggan now where the girls got off it's it's directly across the road from the Garda station I wouldn't expect young girls children to go into a Garda station like that because uh, children kind of have a fear of guards. You know, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know that, you know, they wouldn't like to be doing that. And explaining, you know, what they saw at a young age, they, they mightn't be comfortable either uh, no. explaining that. And it's only three weeks ago. How are the two girls? Oh, they're fine. You know, uh, I mean, obviously they won't forget it, but, you know, uh, children, It's the, it was the same with us all that we kind of, I won't say you forget it, but you put it in the back of your mind. But having said that, JP, it may mean that they will not go on the draw the bus again on their own like that. Now, I'm famous. It's the one-on-one service. It's a great service. I've used it myself. But like this kind of a thing should not be swept under the carpet. And when you sh- hear what happened to th- those two girls, uh, your daughter and her friends, you can see why the union now are calling for a dedicated transport police system in this country where if you had uh, a Garda or some type of uh, police on the buses every now and again, they can't be on every bus, but it might deter this because while the Green Party are out saying we should all be using public transport, you're yeah. not going to. You're going to be turned off if, if you see that on a bus. You'd rather drive. Yeah, well, Eamon Ryan there, I I don't think he'd see it on the bus because sure, that poor man cycles. He so, cycles in and out of the doll, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think... It, it, but it, still, it, they, 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 regardless what he does, they need to take it on board that these cases you're outlining here, we've got more earlier on this morning, we've heard more over the last three or four years from both bus drivers and those who travel on buses or... Tra- uh, you know, it's something, if they're going to want people to get on public transport and use it, they're going to have to make it safe. Maybe, yeah. maybe we do have to go down the road of enforcing it by having Gardaí or some type of police force just for transport on our trains, on our buses, and uh, when it comes to some areas, trams like the Lewis or, or whatnot. Like, I mean, I tell you, John Paul, uh, just kind of going off a little bit on a tangent, but it's still public transport. Mm. I used to get 
the they draw the train out from um, Conley Station pretty pretty regularly. Now, every time I got off the train in Belbregan, or maybe even getting on the train, I could see drug dealing happening openly in front of my eyes. And was this at the stop or was it an actual railway station? The railway station. So they were going to the railway station dealing? Yes. And this is in full view of everybody. And there were occasions that I saw the guardie there sitting in a squad car. Now, if I saw it, I'm sure the guardie saw it. But they are turning a blind eye to it. And you feel that could be one of the reasons why certain things like drug dealing are getting worse? Yes. Now, we don't know in that case, by the way, that the guards were turning a blind eye, but I can see what you're saying, that uh, something needs to be done uh, if something is going on in a a public place like a railway station. Yes. Like, uh, I was talking to a taxi driver up there in Balbriggan, and this guy, he asked me, do you ever use the train coming out to Balbriggan? And I said, I used to use the train, but I've kind of given up on it. And he said, did you ever see drug dealing around the station? I said, every single time. And I, I, I just said to him, I said, look, I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, I see guards down there. And this is what he said to me, John Paul. And I think I could believe him. He said, look, he said, nearly every single guard here in Balbriggan is involved in the drugs business. No, well, I, we can't. We can't say, say that. What it, what it I, could mean there is I is can. the fact they could be monitoring the the drugs. Yeah. I mean, you will see in situations where Gardi will watch, uh, for example, a drug deal take place. They will monitor involved. Nothing will yeah. happen, but they'll go back with their faces, with their details, and nothing might happen for six months. But they will be investigating. So, you know, I'm not saying that they're yeah. involved in dealing drugs, but that is how some Gardi will operate undercover, and we have yeah. seen that in some TV shows. So we can't be accused them of being involved in drugs, no, no, that, that is I'm how not, they deal not, w- 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 with accu- the drugs. I'm not accusing them that because I can't substantiate that. But the taxi driver said to me, he said, we know more what goes on than what the Gardaí do. And taxi drivers know quite a lot. Yeah, but yeah, well, they anyway, do. They, they see everything that is happening and they hear yeah. it as well. But, you know, there's a lot of hearsay as well when it comes to, to oh. what is said in bars and what is said in taxis. But I, I do think when it comes to drug dealing, there are certain ways that the yeah. authorities deal with them. And one of those is that something can be going on in front of their eyes. But they're well aware. They know who's dealing uh, the drugs. They know who the drug lords are. But they're waiting uh, later in the game to catch them. And we've seen that in TV shows whereby... We have seen the, the whether it's TV shows from Australia where Melbourne has a huge drug problem or indeed our own ones made here in Dublin where Gardaí are involved but it's an undercover mission uh, and, and you know people can get the wrong idea so we have to be careful yeah. of what we're saying that way too. Yeah. Uh, but on, at the moment Jim you've received nothing going back to the initial call regarding the... Uh, uh, no. Yeah. No. And I'd, I'd like to see it followed up. Uh, I may be going to Dublin at the weekend. I don't know yet because I have to go to Waterford to a hospital. Mm. But uh, 
I'm not going to let this go at all like that. To me, that's like that artist fine. Look, they're only young children. Don't worry about them. Push it under the carpet. Yeah, and that anything yeah. like that is is okay to happen, which it is not. What we'll do, Jim, we will get on to Bus Aaron and uh, we'll get the, the details. What I'll do is I'll push him on a hold just to get the exact bus route uh, from Drogheda to Balbriggan that Bernie can get that off you there. And we, right. we'll get on to Bus Aaron and we'll see what they say, if they will come back to us with anything and, and we'll explain the reasons you were given uh, right. from them for your daughter and her friend. For the moment, Jim, best wishes to your daughter and the other girl with her and mind your health as well yourself. Okay, Jim? Yeah, okay. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. That is Jim there in Bantry. Uh, just firsthand what is happening when it comes to public transport, uh, what happens on the buses, and indeed he's outlining there what happens within the uh, railway stations as well. Your views are welcome. Have you been on public transport and witnessed uh, that type of uh, abuse that drivers are getting, which we heard earlier, or uh, the scenes that his daughter witnessed on the bus as well, and people being drunk or indeed high uh, on public transport? 0818103103, lines open text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and that all comes from a conference taking place here in Cork this week where the National Bus and Rail Workers Union are looking for a dedicated police force now for our public transport. More calls and comments, I'll get to those next. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the See corkcoco.ie Cards return to Rock Chapel Community Centre. That's on Wednesday nights. And Bingo in Bantir is on tonight at 8.30pm in the Community Centre in Bantir for Bingo tonight. And there will be a great pink run, walk or jog around the GAA pitch in Ballia Gran in County Limerick. That's going ahead this coming Saturday from 2pm to 4pm to raise funds for Breast Cancer Ireland. And a fundraising bingo takes place at 9pm every Saturday night. It's at the parochial hall in Clonakilty. It's organised and run by the Clonakilty Youth Centre Committee and all proceeds were going to the new Community Youth Centre building and that project is at DC's Car Park in Clonakilty. And Bandon Library, they're hosting a new crafting group. It goes ahead every Tuesday. It's beginning today. You can pop in and work on your project while chatting over a cuppa with like-minded people. All projects, all methods are welcome there at Bandon Library. And to include your charity or non-for-profit event, you can email us diary at c103.ie and on the issue of banks which we discussed earlier from a listener who really was misinformed by the bank from what we can make from his WhatsApp uh, promise a mortgage but when it came down to the end their mortgage was a different amount they were giving over than what they were promised so uh, their deposit that meant was a lot higher than initially they thought and now their fear is they could lose the house that they have a deposit down on because basically they need another nearly over 30 grand to get that house because the bank now are only giving them so much uh, and it seems to be some mishap uh, in the bank uh, but on this Frank is in Mallow he says he has money in the bank well done Frank but it's getting no interest but mortgage rates are going up and the banks are keeping the proceeds he thinks it's very unfair on those with mortgages and then those who have money in the bank and they're not getting a return for their money that they have in savings well on interest rates for anybody who has a mortgage and we touched on this last week with daft mortgages if you are uh, at the end of your fixed term mortgage and that could be next year uh, it could be near January 
and it's actually happening to me mine is up in, in January and a number of my friends were in a similar situation they did contact their bank and ask could they finish their fixed contract now get a rate that's lower now obviously people are shopping around as well uh, and then they will give you uh, the rate the best rate they, the existing bank you have can give you and you can fix from now because the fear is rates will go up again uh, there's talks of them this month or maybe next month but certainly the banks that I was chatting to said the rate will be going up a good bit by next January, February or March uh, and a lot of people are shopping around but uh, my own bank is letting me break my fixed contract now uh, and mine is up in January so that I can break away now and fix mine for however long I, I wish to fix it and I'm working on that at the moment but others are in the same boat so just in case you're out there and you are thinking of this but your mortgage isn't up until next January or, or February or indeed March and you're looking at the interest rates going up and you know you could be hit by this by the time you're fixed and mortgage rate is up uh, just a word of warning uh, or a word of advice maybe get onto your bank they, you might be surprised they may let you uh, leave your, your current arrangement and go on to a new arrangement or indeed shop around and they may let you uh, leave that as well uh, but certainly a, a call to your bank or whoever you deal with your mortgage mortgage broker or whatever is it was certainly uh, worth it at the moment just in case people are hit with big repayments next year and then on Chrysler uh, and the unfortunate incident in Gaul and we will be talking to Joe Heffernan very shortly discussing trauma uh, but maybe others feel this uh, this texture says forgive me but does anyone feel this tragedy should be given a less reporting uh, for a few days and let those poor families grieve it's difficult enough without every single detail being reported on the news uh, and I suppose the nature of news it, it will be reported and we will be seeing uh, footage from uh, Letter Kinney and Chrysla as indeed the the funerals take place uh, and I suppose for many news outlets it's something in, in a small area small village small town when something like this happens and 10 people are killed and it's a huge knock-on effect for the community. Uh, I think that is why there's a big news interest, not only here in Ireland, but when we were speaking to our own reporter, Barry White, who was in Chrysler yesterday, uh, he was even saying uh, that the likes of ITV, BBC, Sky News, uh, they're all there. So it's just a, it's supposed to be a big news story because of the loss of life. Um, but I totally can see your points. When families are grieving, they'd want camera. Now, I presume people will be sympathetic and, and those reporting won't be in their faces anyhow, you, you'd hope. Uh, but the, uh, is, is a time to back away now from the community there and the big thing is for that community is when everybody leaves you know they'll be in the same position they'll be uh, mourning their loved ones while the politicians and the media leave Chrysler over the next few days and then on the shops and we spoke with the Cork Business Association they have a lot of members worried about the increases they are seeing this coming winter and the fact that many family run businesses said they'll be working voluntary many won't be taking a high wage just to keep the doors open and the business afloat well on that uh, a lot of texts in first of all this is from a person no name in this but they say what we'll probably see is some of the big chain shops open where the cafes were closed and where local cafes go we'll see big chains opening will be in these areas and Donna's making that point Donna's saying yes indeed watch out for the big chains now uh, which will hit our big streets in the city and our towns over the next while it's sad because our own Irish businesses are trying their best they won't be able to break through some of them uh, listening to uh, your business person on earlier if they close, then will we just have streets like they have in other countries? Will some of our main streets look like UK streetscape soon with all their brands where our own local Irish family-run businesses were, says Donna. And then on sport, 
and not sure how people will make it this comment. We were on about the referees and uh, too many uh, people on the sidelines earlier from comments that came from the show towards the end of the show yesterday. But this listener in Formoy has another way of looking at the sport and your, your views are welcome on this. Uh, they say, on the matter of the GEA and refs and all of that, well, what upsets me is the way GAA members are able to use their hurleys like weapons. They have no respect for anyone when they swing their hurleys, nearly hitting someone. They hit house doors and shop doors when they're walking by. They throw the hurleys at each other messing and they walk around like they are big, tough people because they have a hurley in their hand. I actually think that these hurleys should be banned from being used in public places like the streets, shops or indeed housing areas. I actually think they are a dangerous weapon and those who use them have no clue how to behave, says a listener in Formoy who's not happy with people who may be coming from training or back from training, I presume, or just out and about for a puck around, but they have their hurley. And according to this listener, where they live, uh, they're hitting their front doors, they're swinging them around, and they feel they're a weapon. What's your view? Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And if you don't get the comments before one, you can email across the afternoon, corktoday at c103.ie. And a listener on to us from Mid Cork, uh, if anybody can help us out, is there anywhere that is taking used stamps in the Mid Cork area? If you can help that person out. C103's Free Fuel Friday. With East Cork Oil, serving Cork City and County and across Munster. For locations, see your local oil company.ie. Always local. You can listen and win right across October with C103's Free Fuel Friday. Every Friday we're giving away 100 euros fuel vouchers right across the day. Stay listening to identify the star in the car. Then, if you can identify that star, text or WhatsApp for your chance to win. C103's Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil serving Cork City and County and across Munster. For locations, see your local oil company.ie. Always local, only on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 We spoke about deer earlier on our roadways and how one was lying dead near Kishkeem while on that and it is, it is mating season so just a word of warning if you're driving in areas where deer are, are in and out or running across roadways. John is in Chambly Moor. He says he's a nature lover and this time of the year while walking on the mountains he said while it's beautiful it can be also very dangerous as it is the rutting season and the stags can be dangerous. So just a word of warning if you're walking in various mountainous areas or indeed any area where there could be deer. And then can we help out John? John found a set of keys, set of car keys for an Opel car yesterday afternoon. Uh, this was in the Dundelerick East area of Liam Lara. So if they're yours, we have John's number and we will pass that on if you think you lost your Opel car keys. Now Joe Heffernan joins us as usual on uh, Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Joe. Good afternoon, John Paul, and um, a sad old Tuesday. It um, is, yeah, it is. Condolences indeed to all those who have been so uh, affected in uh, by the awful um, incident in Creaslock. Um, it's. Uh, it's bringing it home it's, to a lot of people, Joe, that may have lost loved ones yeah, by an accident exactly, or by exactly. anything that happened over the last number of years to, 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 to themselves and, and watching. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's That's a what it is. of old uh, bereavements as well as the new one. 
and uh, we were uh, I work in the area of trauma quite a lot. Um, I teach courses on uh, trauma for the ICISF, that's the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation. And some of the things that we talk about um, on, on those uh, would be normalizing would be a huge thing. Um, like, I feel rotten, I feel terrible, I um, I need to remember I'm a normal person reacting in a normal way to a very abnormal event. In other words, like, my worldview has been uh, shattered um, where, where, where there was peace and where there was normality suddenly the world has changed and that is uh, gives rise to the, uh, we'll call it the classic um, symptoms of trauma uh, namely avoidance that would be anything that reminds me of the incident which triggers all these uh, terribly difficult feelings. Uh, it can be a person, a place, or a thing, um, uh, as you can well imagine, and as we all can. Uh, that particular site um, in uh, Chrysler will forever and always be a reminder of the terrible thing that has happened. And um, one... Uh, uh, one won't ever pass it again without um, being uh, very vividly reminded of the um, the devastation that has happened there and the terrible pictures that we see on our television screens are in the case of those uh, who are local there uh, seeing in, in reality. And... Um, uh it it has uh, it has uh, it has the effect of um uh, causing this avoidance intrusion now intrusion uh, we often refer to it as flashbacks that we can see the picture again in our mind's eye quite vividly um for those who um w- were within earshot um any any loud noises, any any um, you know, even if one only dropped something, um, will can trigger these uh, flashbacks. And indeed, um, the uh, the terror of it all can be manifested in dreams of one sort or another. So there's the avoidance, intrusion, and then you have the third one, hypervigilance that uh, a person is very easily startled, often referred to as startled response. In other words, a person is jumpy, scared, easily frightened, on red alert all the time um, because the worldview has changed and what was safe, predictable and dependable uh, is no longer safe, predictable and dependable because... um, uh, because all of those things uh, were shattered in 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 a very uh, violent uh, moment. 
And while that would be uh, uh, normalising trauma, as you outlined, there's a lot of effects then following trauma, Joe. And many of these, again, you know, people can can relate to that they have been in an incident or know someone being in an incident and what's happened, unfortunately, in Krishle, brings it back to them again. Uh, and that can be emotional. I suppose a lot of emotion at the moment, Joe, isn't there following the incident? Oh, indeed there is. And... Um I mean, when one considers the process of bereavement, you have your denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and it's going to take a long, 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 long time um, acceptance. Um, This has happened. Um, It's terrible, uh, but it it can't be undone. And um, uh, you see, what happened uh, happened suddenly, unexpectedly, out of the ordinary, and uh, that brings forth a feeling of um, uh, a lack of confidence in 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 our lives, in in the in the in the future. Um, that um, uh, who knows uh, how safe we are. I mean, one of the most poignant things uh, that I had, they were all poignant, but the little girl who would be going in uh, to get her lollipop, um, and and suddenly um, the the whole world changes, in fact, ends for that little girl and her dad. And, um, you know, the the young lady who was heading for her new job, uh, full of the joys of life, uh, visits uh, her boyfriend in the apartment upstairs and um, suddenly she is no more and he is badly injured. And forgive me for just um, uh, sort of picking out those two um, incidences. Um, everyone, uh, all of the ten, um, are all the deaths are tragic and terrible. And um, and the many hearts are broken by what has happened. And yes, life will have to go on in some way. Yeah, and, and, and that's um, what they have said, Joe. I mean, for them, while every the world's media is basically in Krishla at the moment, but for them, once everything finishes and once the funerals are over, yeah. they will have to get on with their lives without those yeah. loved ones you've mentioned there. And that's, for them, is where the hard part is going to be when the politicians leave and when the, the media go and when the public eye is away from them. Absolutely. And is there things then, Joe, when we mentioned there about the, the emotional, and I suppose physically we come into that as well with people, you mm. know, they'll have eating disturbances, they'll of sleep disturbances because of this, but uh, things they can try uh, to to overcome trauma. Well, you're going to have the you know the sleeplessness, the lack of appetite, uh, headaches, um, uh, you know all those kind of difficulties, um, uh, sad mood, etc., etc. But um, there are a few things that may help a little. Uh, one would be to try and have a plan for for a day that um you know that that one isn't just uh, at a loss uh, as to uh, you know having a few things to do in the day having some little bit uh, some little bit of of a plan also i think it helps that uh, that a person recognizes that they are having normal reactions to a very normal very abnormal event 
Um, I remember a person saying to me once when we talked about that kind of thing after a bad thing happened, and he said, oh, thank God, Joe, I'm not going crazy. And a, a person is not going crazy. And it's good to talk. Um, I'm sure there are many people in my line of work there. I hope there are. And we mustn't forget either the um, uh, the, the people who have gone to the assistance um, of, uh, you know... Uh, Saving them and, and of, trying to rescue the, people. Uh, in, 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 in the whole event. Um, they would have seen things that will remain with them and they will also have... Um, you know, be traumatized by by what they saw, and um, and that should be um, uh, remembered too. Totally. Um, and also, uh, life is so fragile. Maureen on WhatsApp is saying this just shows how fragile life is and how precious uh, and, and indeed how vulnerable humans are. While Shane is saying terrible explosion in Donegal is just quite shocking to us. It also is a reminder of what's happening in Kiev every day as well. Uh, and yes. it's just something that is happening right across the world. We have to bear that in mind that life is precious. And a lot of people make making that point, Joe, and I suppose just to be there for their family members and friends and to assist system and you know the, a person that may not have been near duty goal for this as we mentioned earlier may have had some trauma in their lives in the past this brings it all up again so maybe no harm just to sit down with them and, and make sure they're okay following this as well as it brings back memories for so many people Absolutely and sometimes all that one has to do to be extremely helpful is to listen Yeah, totally. Just spend time with the traumatised person um, you don't have to have any answers but just to listen and be there for them. Uh, Joe, as always, good words of advice. So thank you for, for discussing trauma and going through how that may help people this afternoon on the show and mind yourself as well. Uh, that is Joe Heffernan. He's an accredited counsellor based in Boerhebui and you can contact Joe on 086-834-8145. We're back again tomorrow morning with Cork Today from 10am. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.